it's preparing the live stream. And in the event that you're watching us live as Zoom prepares the live stream to YouTube, hello, everybody. Give us a second. Welcome to Divi Chat, everybody. This week, we're going to talk about white label services with Divi. Obviously, you see our new setup. We're glad you're all here. Our live watchers, head on over to YouTube, Divi Chat's channel. You'll get to watch us live. Before we get started today on our topic of white label work with Divi, I'm going to go ahead and let the panel introduce themselves. And I'm going to start with my bottom right, Tammy. Hey, Tammy. Hey, everyone. I'm Tammy from Sunflower Creatives. I can be found on Twitter at your blog place. Fantastic. So glad you're here, Tammy. Hi, Sarah. Sorry, I was getting the live stream up. Um, hi, I'm Sarah Oates from Endure Web Studios, and you can find me at endure.com.au or Endure Web on all the socials. Fantastic, and glad to have you here too. I noticed as I'm looking on my YouTube, everybody's used to me going in an order, and I'm kind of randomly picking faces off of the Zoom chat based on my one on my computer, and it's different than YouTube. So now I'll start working my way around and. And we just lost Steve. Oh, we, okay, we just lost David. Well, we're all still here, right? <laughs> I'm wondering if we're all still going live. <laughs> well, I'm going to go ahead and introduce myself till David's audio <laughs> fix. He's kind of out. <laughs> so, Tim Streifler here, and I'm broadcasting from Austin, Texas. And you can find me online at timstreifler.com, divilife.com, wpthepodcast.com, and of course, divi.chat. And it looks like David is back with us maybe yeah that was interesting i was just talking away and you, know, you guys are still talking and i could see you and my youtube's over spinning i'm gonna kill my my You're live chat with youtube i think my problem is i have yeah i have three youtube channels open so i'm streaming youtube and streaming zoom to youtube so i've closed a few of them now is that better much better. Yeah. Okay, good. All right. I'm going to go, Jerry. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, it's great to be here with you today. My name is, insert your name here, and uh, you can find me online at, insert your website here. And uh, in all seriousness, Jerry Simmons, find me online at montereypremier.com and ferventsolutions.com. Awesome. That was pretty good. I like that. <laughs> hey, Josh, last but not least... Josh. Man, it's good to be back, guys. Hey, I'm Josh Hall. My web design business is in Transit Studios. You can find me there if you want to see recent work and stuff. And then my uh, Divi branded website and Elegant Themes blog articles and all that stuff is at my personal site at joshhall.co. And please forgive me. <laughs> this is our second rodeo with Zoom and seems like we've still got some technical hiccups and i do apologize we are going to get them worked out i promise i just figured out that i can't have two youtubes open streaming on youtube and streaming to youtube it's going to cause some bandwidth issues for me go figure so <laughs> i've closed i've closed all my youtube stuff and i'm just using the zoom now so hopefully that's better my name is david blackman with aspen grove studios and divi space also the co-host of WP the Podcast with Mr. Streifler there. 
If you haven't checked our podcast out, go check it out. It's pretty good. It's daily 10-minute episodes. Big takeaways. Uh, today, we're going to talk about Divi white label work. I know several of the people on the panel have experience with white label work with Divi. And I think what we want to do is our typical fashion. There may be one or two people out there and watching or listening to this on, on iTunes or somewhere that may be asking, what is white label? So maybe we'll start off with defining white label. And I've been talking enough. So does somebody else want to define what white label work is? I'll do it. What a surprise. I know. I like defining things, apparently. Um, Tim's our definer. I wasn't, I was going to give everybody another option. I I waited a second and then I jumped in. (laughs) See if there's anyone that was really eager to define it. So white label work is essentially outsourcing to other contractors. And so if you're the person that's outsourcing to a contractor, then it's essentially you're saying, all right, you do the work and I get the credit. Um, So you put your name on it, but have someone else do the work. Um, or vice versa, you can do white label work for another company. It doesn't even have to be a designer. It could be, you know, uh, a app company. They do apps, but they also want to uh, upsell their customers' web design. And so you can um, do white label work for them. They get the credit. Get they get the name on it. It's their client, but you essentially do the work under their name. Sometimes, depending on the agreement, they manage the client, and then they you just interface with them. Or again, depending on the arrangement, you might interface with the client, um, but as a member of their team. So it kind of depends. Good job, Tim. Okay. By show of hands, who here on tonight's panel does white label work or has done it in the past? Oh man, 100%. Man, y'all going to get some good (laughs) advice today. All right. So, you know, I guess what we're going to do is let's, let's break the show down into several, you know, different subgroups of white label work. Now that Tim's defined it, you know, the next question that, that um, I would be asking if I'm a web developer, if I'm a new web developer, and this might pique my interest is, you know, maybe we can go over some of the pros, some of the cons, what are the benefits of doing white label work and what are the negatives if there are any negatives of white label work. So does anybody want to take off with one pro? I can take off of that. Yeah. Oh, Josh. (laughs) A pro to me when you're starting out for white label work is it gives you a chance to do some web design work and gain some experience without typically having to deal with the client directly, which is, as we all know, is half or more than half of the battle of web design. So if somebody else is doing the project management, getting the content, well, you might have to assist in that. But if somebody else is taking the brunt of that, a lot of the headache work, and you're getting the details to do the design, it can be a really good way to get into web design and kind of ease into those other roles. So for me, um, I didn't start doing white label work, but I, I kind of did it a few years into my early web design career. And essentially, I was a subcontractor for a local company. So I did work for their clients. That's the way I like to sum it up, is you're doing work for somebody else's client. So you're still getting paid, but it's not on your portfolio typically, unless you work that out with the person you're working with. Um, so that's a pro to me is, Honestly, I mean, there's no, especially if you're starting out, there's no, there's no harm in in getting involved with it. And you get to do typically the funner stuff of web design. Yeah. You don't have to deal with client. You're going to find out if you're, if you're new to web development or, or you've been doing it for a while, you already know this, you know, client, 
client facing side of things can be an adventure sometimes. Sometimes you'll have great clients and sometimes you'll have terrible clients and the benefit of white label work, depending on whether or not you have to interface with that client and the agreement that you have, um, you get to skip it. You know, we, we do some white label work for a company out of Arizona that we started last year. And, you know, we do very minimal client facing. I love it because, you know, we get paid the same amount of money and it doesn't really, you know, we don't have to deal with, you know, the, the, the clients, they deal with the clients. We just do the work, so to speak. And, and I actually really like it. I've, I've, I've enjoyed doing the white label stuff. Yeah. And on top of that, not having to interface with the client in a lot of cases, um, you also don't have to do like the sales stuff. So if you have the arrangement already worked out with the company and they're feeding you work, then you basically, as Josh said, just get to do the fun stuff. Don't have to worry about closing the deals, doing, you know, a lot of the sales calls, kind of selling them on what, what you can do. Your client does that for you. And then they just send you the work and you get to just yeah, do the work and, and then bill them. But that is the fun stuff, Tim. Closing depending on, yeah, depending <laughs> on who you're talking to. <laughs> no, that's uh or are there any like uh, some white label works may require you to sign an NDA? Do you guys mm-hmm. I know ours, you know, they, the ones that we've done work for, they've made us sign NDAs so we can't, you know, disclose that legally that we do work for them and stuff. You guys have any experience with that? Yeah, I would say it depends on who you're working for, though. Um, so every company that you, you know, that wants to hire you for white label work is going to be a little bit different. Um, we have some that are like super open and flexible. And, I've, you know, so I've worked with them and they have no problem, you know, if we share like in the Facebook groups, you know, that we uh, completed a site for them or uh, share some of that work. And um, it's OK, you know, for that to be somewhat exposed. Uh, but then I have others that are very strict and I do have to sign an NDA and, you know, it's, uh, it's not allowed to be talked about and none of the content, you know, of course could be talked about. Um, I was going to say in regard to pros, you know, for me, white label, it's basically how I got started, uh, in website work, WordPress work was, uh, working with Gino and, uh, right from the get go, I was working on white label clients for Monterey Premier. And so it's kind of mostly what I've done. It's what I have most experience with. And for me, it was really great for learning because uh, you're, you're talking, or I was talking primarily to uh, other people who know website work, who know how to design, who know how to develop, who know what's involved, who know the capabilities of Divi. And so it wasn't um, having to learn in front of the client, you know, but the person I'm working with knows where I'm at. And so, you know, is able to, uh, we're able to work on it without, you know, looking like an incredible fool before the end client who's saying, well, I don't know if I want to pay these guys because they don't know what they're doing yet. So uh, if you can find a a good partner in that regard, it's really good for, for getting on board and learning all those skills. That's a good pro too, Jerry. I know like when I got started, my clients, a lot of them were like, how do I get my pictures from my camera to my computer? So I had to <laughs> do all that kind of stuff on top of, you know, like handholding the the clients while I was learning web design. So that's a good point. You know, you get to work, you can probably learn a lot from people because, you know, the experience is already there. Yeah. Well, I could throw out a potential con if we're ready for that. 
I was going to say, does anybody have a con? White label work? So. <laughs> so the con is in a lot of cases, you don't get to put it on your portfolio. You don't get to show it off. You don't get to use the projects for, for marketing purposes. And, you know, that's obviously not the greatest thing because, you know, your completed projects often is what helps you get new projects, um, you know, see, showing to the client, you know, what, what you're capable of doing and what you've done for other clients and stuff. Um, and then additionally on that side, um, if you're doing, uh, you know, a lot of white label work and then, you know, that work goes away, you know, that could potentially be a, a huge hit, you know, when you're doing more traditional projects where you're putting your name on it, um, you're getting a lot more referrals that way. And so you kind of have a more steady stream of, uh, referrals coming through your pipeline where white label potentially, you know, you can get that steady stream while it's going, but if it goes away, that can potentially, you know, be a, a very bad thing. I would say that's a pretty big con actually. Yeah. So mm -hmm. um, maybe some of the things that you can do, especially if you're new and you're diving off into white label work, that is something that you're going to need to consider. Uh, you'll need to consider how you're going to be able to show off work that you've done, especially if you've signed an NDA with, with, some of these clients. Um, as we progressed, you know, with that client that I was telling you about, uh, they got to the point where they would mix them about 50, 50 to where they wanted us client. They trusted us and, and saw us as a, a valued partner and started, you know, certain clients, they would tell the client that, that we were going to build the site for them. And, mm -hmm. and we started coming on phone calls and stuff with them. So you may, actually have to do some of that stuff. And I encourage it a lot of times because our white label partner that we've been doing work for, they, they weren't web developers. They were um, proposal, you know, they did RFPs for really big companies, online marketing and stuff. And, and what ended up happening was they kept having these clients that would win these proposals and needed a website. And they would ask them, well, do you know anybody who builds websites? And they saw, well, there's an opportunity. They found us, partnered with us. And, you know, they, so they didn't have a lot of experience with web design. So they were having to basically regurgitate what they would ask me. We would tell them how to handle and what to say. And, you know, if the client brought this up, they would go back and then they just realize, Hey, you know what? He's a valued partner. He's not going to steal our clients from us. And uh, they started putting us on the calls and stuff. And if that's the case, don't be afraid to raise your rates when that happens. <laughs> so <laughs> are the rates the same with white label work? Do you charge more? Do you charge less? Do you charge the same? What are you guys? It's really varied for me. And I think it, it it's based on, is it going to be a recurring work? So if it's just a one-off job where they want me to do something and they don't want my name on it, then generally I'll just charge the same amount of money that I normally charge. So I've got my standard rate and I'll just charge that per hour um, or else I'll kind of make up a quote of what I think it's going to take. But mostly I work per hour when it's white label um, and just knowing that I just want to get my standard rate at that point. Um, but if it's going to be recurring work, I think there's something in the fact that you aren't having to do the sales, you aren't having to go and find the work. And I think like essentially the freelancer I've got working with me, I guess she's a white label person. Like if, if that's the way we're thinking of it, she works as endure. She does the work I deal with the clients and she just does the design work. So I guess in some ways she's 
um, doing that and I don't pay, pay her my full rate. So I need some money on top of that to deal with the client and to deal with the other things. And she's just getting recurring work. She doesn't have to look for the work. It's just coming in again and again. Um, I'm reliant on her. She's reliant on me. So there's a little bit of trust going on there. She disappears, I'm staffed. And if I stop getting work, she has no money coming in. Um, but I couldn't afford to pay her the full rate of what my clients pay because there is still a lot of work I have to do around it. And I would assume the same is for a company. If they're dealing with the client, they're not going to be able to pay us what the client's paying. So there's going to have to be some give and take in that. So I think if it's going to be recurring work, then I, I would give some grace in the money there. I, that's a good point, Sarah, because I was always confused when I started hearing about the term white label. I was confused what that was as opposed to just subcontract work, which is essentially yeah. the same thing. It's just mm-hmm. if you're working for a company's client or somebody else's client, but it's not your client, you know, yourself, or you're not a full-time or part-time employee of that web design company, then yeah, it's essentially white label. Yeah. I mean, I have made an agreement with Sophie that she can put any work she does with me on her portfolio. So I guess it's not strictly white label, but it's a similar kind of thing. And if other companies come to me, like a lot of companies will come to me and just say, I've made this Divi website. It's just not looking great. Can you just kind of like come in and, you know, fix it up a bit? And so at that point, it's essentially white label work. I'm not putting it on my portfolio. I'm not promoting that I did any work on it. And they're just paying me per hour. I just want my standard flat rate. Like, yes, it's a disadvantage that I can't promote it. But if it's just little work like that, it's only a few hours here and there. I think the issue comes in when it's a job that takes you two months full time. And then all of a sudden you spent two months full time on a job and you can't promote it. That's when it's a bit of a problem. And at that point, I might even consider upping my rates a little bit or at least making sure it's well worth my while. But most most for me, most of the white label work I've done have been small little jobs that don't really impact my portfolio in a huge way. That was yeah. one of the cons I had was I had a couple white label projects that some went really well and then some went way over budget and you know I essentially lost money and then I didn't have a client out of it. Then it was And you didn't get to like promote the fact no. that you'd done any work. You didn't get to promote it. Nobody knew yeah. about it. It was just me and my lonesome self with all the work I did with no money. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's good. like you've really upped your skill during the time and you can't promote the fact that you've like learned these amazing new things. Mind you, you could do tutorials then on those things so that you could promote it that way, I guess. That's true. Tammy? Yes, one of the cons I've had is that I've I've had some uh, long-term white label relationships and uh, I actually started to charge a whole lot more for my work. So going back to renegotiate the uh, fees for the white label projects was kind of hairy. So that's something that you will need to consider moving uh, if you decide to go in a white label is to try to have a, an agreement or contract that's renewable and renegotiable maybe every six months or a year. Yeah, that's a good, good idea. So did yeah. you renegotiate with those clients? I did, but I still, what I did was because I approach all of my white label projects as partners, I, uh, we want things to be mutually beneficial to both parties. So I have to kind of give them like a heads up that, oh gosh, I'm charging like twice as much (laughs) as what uh, we were doing when we first got started. So what I do is get them some leeway time to kind of adjust their own pricing if they want to continue the uh, relationship. That's the main thing, right? Like they're charging someone else and you're doing Mm -hmm. the work. So you can't just up your prices and expect them 
to have not upped their prices with their clients. Exactly. Right. And if you think about it, you know, you're upping your prices because, you know, you, one, you're probably more in demand and two, you know, you've gotten better, you know, design wise, development wise, whatever. And mm-hmm. so if you think about it, it makes sense for them to up their prices too, because you're working on their behalf. And so now, you know, in order for the, the, their pricing so they can still make money, but also, you know, they're delivering something that's higher quality to their client because you've improved, you know, over the year or whatever. So it makes right. sense that they would need to do that as well. And I think most business owners that you deal with realize that, you know, there's this thing called inflation and, <laughs> you know, companies need to adjust and, and raise their rates. Um, if you're offering white label work to white label people and you're not raising your rates, go ahead and raise them. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of share with you my thoughts and, and, and feelings on white label work and, and how much we charge and procedure and stuff. I fall in the line a lot with Sarah, uh, depending on the type of client that it is. Oh no. Am I freezing again? It's yeah. Holy Your crap, video's I'm frozen. supposed to just be listening. <laughs> there we go. You're back yeah, now. I think I <laughs> Am I back? Man, yeah, I just back. shared the secrets yeah. of the white label work. <laughs> okay. Hit us. All right. Sorry. Um, okay. So as far as pricing goes and, and my feelings on white label, I fall in the camp of Sarah, you know, which is depending on how much work they give me, there, there's a value with somebody that continuously feeds work. So mm-hmm. I might actually lower my rates because there is a huge value there. They're out doing the, the sales, they're closing the deals, they're doing the client facing stuff. All I'm doing is the builds. So I can easily come off that rate. That client we did five websites for last year. They were pretty big websites. Well, that's a big chunk of revenue that came in from one client. So I'm going to adjust rates based on that and give them a special deal because you know what? There's a huge value to that. White yeah. It's and a, you want them to stick around and keep coming back to you, right? Uh, I'll assume you're saying And right. if they're a one-off and they're, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I, I may actually charge them. We're, we're never going to go below our normal rates, but we will sometimes charge above the normal rates, but typically it's, it's our normal rate that we charge. Can I yeah, can, go? I'm done. Can I, oh, you first. Can I throw a, maybe a, a different thought out there? And I'm just curious if anyone has stopped doing white label work. I know for me, I, I only have one white label client and it's been a client of mine for years and they've just been a great client. So I'm going to continue to do it for them, but I've stopped doing it apart from that because as a one man shop, I just couldn't keep up with white label stuff. And I would prefer to have it in my portfolio. I, the work I do, I want to see, and I want other people to see, and I want to have full yeah. control to do it with that. So one reason I have started to scale my business is to be able to do white label work as a, a separate recurring, uh, you know, source of income. So have you guys, has anyone else given up white label work or stopped it? I don't have any white label clients, like ongoing repetitive work. Um, I only have white label work where it comes to me as a one-off. And so then I can choose whether I take it on or whether I don't take it on. Um, And usually it's just that small stuff of like helping them get over the line. They've they've tried, but they haven't quite managed it. Um, So mine is just a per job, like 
I can decide, do I want to take on white label at the moment or not? Um, so yeah, I don't, I've never been in the position to have recurring white label from just one client. Yeah. For me, in terms of white label clients, I don't have any recurring at the moment. And actually I was just thinking about it. The, the two that I have had in the past that were recurring are no longer in business. I'm like, shoot, is that saying mm. something about me? No, but one, one of them was, was a full agency. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's saying something. <laughs> they had a full agency and they had a designers and everything. And they, I think I've talked about them before as a good friend of mine. And they actually got bought out by their biggest client, which was a big e-commerce brand. And so they bought them to become their in-house agency. And then another one was she was a, a solopreneur, one person show, and she would um, get, work and she would then you know kind of for each project build a team of subcontractors that she would white label to and um, her clients were aware that that she was doing that they didn't think that she had you know her own team um but yeah for me i because i concentrate on on products so much and then um this year uh, a big focus is going to be the the course that david and i are putting out um so i don't actively go out and, and try to get white label work, but kind of like Sarah, if it comes my way and it seems to be a good fit, you know, I can kind of decide on a per project basis, but I'm kind of like you, Josh, the value of having a project in my portfolio so I can market and, you know, show it off, I think, you know, is, is worth its weight in gold. And so for that reason, especially, really especially if you have, if they're your client and they return to you and if you get them on your maintenance plan or your security plan, that's another con of, of doing white label work is, they're not your client, you know, if there's a lot of other services that you could potentially sell to clients that you don't get an opportunity to, if it's not yours. Yeah. And it's kind of like affiliate marketing versus selling your own products. When you're an affiliate, you sell someone else's product or you recommend someone else's products where you get the sale. You don't have to manage the client anymore. It's done. But on the flip side, you don't have that customer. You can't remarket to them. You can't, you know, upsell them other, other products or, or whatever. And same thing on the service side too. If it's not your client, like you said, you can't, you know, add uh, Facebook ad management or, or whatever as another service down the road. Yeah. Now, yeah I think what, that's a really valid point. Now, what if one, uh, what if web developers looked at their white label clients as their clients and decided that they would build their entire business model on being white label support. Oh yeah. I'm sure a lot of people do that. Like particularly people who don't have fabulous English tend to do that. So they'll Mm -hmm. like, they'll offer really cheap rates to make a website and that is their business is they don't want to deal Mm -hmm. with the clients because they don't have the sales skills or they don't have the um, fluent English language, but they can deal with a company via text or via uh, like Slack or something. And Jerry, you guys promote your white label work on the Monterey site, right? Yeah, it's definitely a big focus for us, um, especially this year, um, just because we found it very enjoyable to work with other website developers and other people who are kind of, you know, working more business to business rather than business to end customer. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we, yeah, we've been really promoting that and uh, kind of beefing up um, the, the resources that we have available on our side to be able to get clients up and running uh, really fast. And so what we found in a lot of those cases is, you know, we're competing on the lower end of the market. So, you know, we've done bigger websites and the custom designs and those kinds of things. But um, for a lot of our white label work, it's, you know, template designs, things that we've already established using child themes and updating it with content. And uh, that's that's proven to be a pretty good uh option for a lot of our white label clients that they're able to offer that to their customers. So are they, they, are they a middleman? Like, are they, 
a web company who just don't know how to install a child theme? <laughs> no, typically what it is, it's, it's either one of two things. It's a web company that is just overloaded and they have more work than they can handle. Yeah, right. Or secondly, web development is just like one part of their business. So like if they're generally, you know, marketing or branding or, you know, that kind of agency and website is just one component of that, then uh, they'd rather, much rather focus on the other parts of their business and let yeah. us handle the website for them. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's great work for you to be able to just do really simple stuff that's already got the templates mm-hmm. that you can work with. Like, that's what are the, that's nice what are some of the cash. things? What are some of the things that you can do to find white label work? Since we're talking about this type of things, if I'm new, and go onto I've Facebook and say, "I do cheap websites." <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I think Please don't to do your that. point, Sarah, <laughs> ban all of the Facebook there are talented. and say, come hire me. Yeah. I'm like $100. <laughs> I think all of us are for a website? in one or more yeah. groups, and that's how you bucks for a website. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, don't do that. Please don't do that. I so I suggest you go on yeah, Daily's so, chat so and you announce are... to the world, hello, my name is Jerry Simmons. I'm available for white label work. Please come to my website, ferventsolutions.com, and uh, you can hire me. Nice ad there, Boom. Jerry. $1,000 <laughs> <laughs> an hour. Jerry yes. is only $1,000 an hour. So it should be good. <laughs> I mean, I think it's and, tricky, and, right? And, so and, some and, of it is about just networking. So some of it is about getting to know people maybe in the Facebook groups or maybe locally going along to um, networking groups or whatever just to get to know people because I think a lot of the white label work will either come through recommendations or it'll come through your own networks or it will come through um, someone Googling. But realistically, Googling isn't probably going to win you the battle. I think most of it is about knowing the networks or knowing someone who is likely to recommend you as a good white labeler. And I'll say this too. Now I'm a tutorial guy and I know tutorials are easier said than done, but the, the tutorials that I have put out so far have been a huge lead source for me that I did not anticipate at all. Like ton of people are finding me on YouTube because there's not that many YouTube videos apart from the ET videos and a handful of others. So I think if, if you have ScreenFlow or a screen recording program and you come out with a nice layout or a nice CSS trick or something like that that hasn't been done already, you can put it out there and you'll be amazed at how much feedback you'll get and how many people could potentially want to hire you for something quick. Even if you just had you know maybe three tutorials or something like that and maybe you give a free layout with it, um, it can go a long way. So going back to the, the more you give, the more you get, I think that's the mentality to have if you're going to actively seek work. And I'll yeah. throw a caveat out there. Even if it's been done already, don't be afraid to do it because mm-hmm. everybody's learning styles are a little bit different. And I can pretty much guarantee you if there's a great new way to do something, somebody's probably already done a tutorial on it. Um, the other so thing is don't, that things change all the time. about doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, I've recently been yeah, looking for tutorials points. just for different bits and pieces with a website I'm working on. And what I've noticed is that a lot of the DVE tutorials are a little bit outdated and that's because <laughs> like DVE is changing yeah. rapidly. And so in order for that to work, like, you know, you've got to be keeping them up to date all right. the time. So if someone Even has WordPress, I, 
Yeah, I, yeah. I released a CSS tutorial last year and I was like, you know, WordPress doesn't show the CSS numbers in the back end. And then like the week after I released that, WordPress <laughs> updated the numbers. That's always the way, right? Uh, yeah, but mm -hmm. no, you know, you're right, David. On that note, if, if I can offer any advice to that, it would be to just link back to similar tutorials because that's what I do. If there's a tutorial, if I know Gino did something, which more than likely he's already done a tutorial on it, I'm going to say, yeah. hey, Gino has a similar tutorial here you can check out. Um, yeah, because there are, we just, some people learn differently, some people do things differently. And yeah, as long as you're not out there to, you know, to intrude on anyone else's work, then it's a win-win. Yeah. Yeah. And, and talk about getting like the, the white label work, what better way to show off what you're capable of than actually showing off what you're capable of in a tutorial. Mm -hmm. And yeah. so a lot of like, uh, you know, on the topic of getting uh, white label work that way. There's a lot of people in the Divi community that are, they're more designers or they're more like WordPress implementers. Um, you know, they're not full-blown developers. And so you show them in a tutorial how to take Divi above and beyond and do something really cool. Well, you know, they're going to see that you're a perfect person to outsource to when they come across something they need to do that is outside of, you know, implementing Divi and, you know, doing the built-in controls and so forth. Good points. Very good points. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll jump into uh, talking about how to get white label clients. And it's not like a super amazing, awesome one click strategy or anything. But in my mind, there's a distinction between white label and freelance. Um, and maybe it's not a real distinction, but just my own. But in my mind, like the, the white label is, is like freelance, but it, it really implies an ongoing kind of relationship, ongoing type of workflow. And, and so going back to what Sarah said, it really, it really is about those connections and those relationships. And, and so it takes time to build that. And so I would say how to get into it is don't rush it, but, you know, look at developing those kinds of connections and, and see uh, what kind of opportunities are there. And, you know, another thing to keep in mind is that there's a variety of different kinds of relationships and, you know, you interact with different people in different ways. And a lot of times, I'm sure everybody knows if you've worked with a client, you know, there's kind of like a learning flow for how this is going to work, how this process is going to work and um, how they're going to get you the content and all of that. And the same is true when you're working with white label. And, uh, and so you want to like learn how they, they, you know, they're your customer essentially. So you want to learn how they work and because they're experienced and it's their end client, um, I would suggest adapt to them rather than trying to make them fit into your workflow and, you know, kind of help build the relationship that way and, and be flexible uh, yeah. in, in that regard. Yeah. And I get, I, I think that's great. And also keeping in mind that you're representing them. So don't embarrass them, you know, like yes. <laughs> be at the top of your game. And if you do have to client face at all, you know, don't just slack off because they're not actually your client because that matters. Yeah. And there are pros from the employer standpoint, because if somebody hires a person part-time or full-time and then they just don't work out, there's, that's a very costly experience. Whereas if you just subcontract or white label, as we're calling it in this talk, then there's a much less risk because you can, you don't have to hand them over to the client. You can kind of oversee them and it can be a good kind of trial period. Um, yeah. So there, there are a lot of pros all around with it for sure. Another thing that someone's done with me recently, which I guess they were trying to get white label work was they were a developer locally here in Canberra and they contacted me firstly via email and then they called me on the phone, but they just wanted to let me know that they were available to do white label work um, if there was any coding that was beyond my abilities. And I was quite impressed with that because they were talking about wanting to find a mutually beneficial price to make it work. 
And I just think potentially if you're in a local city and you're looking for work, some people want to work with someone local. So just reaching out to the local agencies and just saying, hey, I'm available. If you want to meet up for a coffee, I'm here in your local city. I'm available. You know, some people don't want to work with someone from overseas to be um, doing the white label work. So maybe it can't hurt to try. And now I have this guy's mind in my mind. And if something got too tricky for me, I know he's available. So that's a good way to start too. Just don't do it aggressively or, you know, like spammy email way. On that note, another idea, um, and this is kind of like what, what David talked about with one of their big white level clients is you can reach out to companies that already have big established base of customers and they do something that like could potentially be a good upsell to a website. So like David's uh, example with his client, they do the RFPs and they had a lot of people that were asking about it. So it was a good fit. So you could reach out to other companies, IT companies. Um, Josh mentioned how... Uh, a lot of times clients, when they see you as the web guy, they also see you as the IT guy. And so, you know, for clients, that's a pretty close similarity in their heads. Oh, it's both technical. And so you can reach out to IT companies and that probably have people asking them to do websites, just like we have people asking us to do IT stuff. Um, because a lot of times if a company already has an existing customer base for them to, you know, do an email blast out to their customers saying, Hey, we now offer web design services. That's not a huge stretch and it can be a win-win because now you're providing them with a new stream of revenue. Um, and then obviously you're going to get the work from that. So it's a, a definitely a mutually beneficial thing. Yeah. Nice. Awkward. (laughs) All right. I'm going to go ahead. I was going to let everybody else. Here's some things that I think you can do to get white label work. I think one of the things you can do is do great work. You know, people who have successful businesses recognize talented people and they want to bring that value to their customers. Obviously, I'm speaking for us. So when I'm looking for someone to bring in to our team to either do white label, freelance, or anything, I'm evaluating work that they do you know so up your game i think sarah you know use the term top of your game you know do really good learn your craft really well and that's going to get you the work that you're wanting to get because you know who's going to turn away somebody who's super awesome unless you're trying to charge more than they're trying to charge it's a down so um yeah you just gotta do great work is my, my I had a I had a quick thought re- in regards to the portfolio because that's one of the biggest negatives with with white label work like we've talked about is not having a site nor portfolio but one thing you could do if it's okay with whoever you're working with as the white labeler um, is let's say you do a site for their client turned out great let's say it's like a five page information portfolio style site if they're cool with it, you could potentially make that almost like a child theme. And then you could replace a fake logo. You could put stock images in there and you could save your CSS, your work and your things like that. And you could essentially make a child theme, you know, with, with different branding. And, and as long as nothing's, you know, copywritten or that belongs to the other company, that could be a potential way to add to your portfolio. Um, like I'm totally down with that with people who work with me is if they want to take that work and potentially just change the graphics and make it a different company by all means, you know, if you did the code and you wrote it, it's yours, man. So yeah, that's just one idea I had to be able to put it in your portfolio. Yeah. That could be a challenge too, though, because sometimes clients are paying for a custom design. And so sure, sure. Um, it 
it, you do have to make sure you have permission for that. And that's agreed upon ahead of time, I would say. Yeah. I, I could see that working out well for just like the, a simpler site. Like, like I said, more like maybe a, a port, like if you're doing a quick project for like a landscaping company, that's just a gallery and some custom, you know, some custom CSS work that you create. Um, mm. but yeah, no, you're right, Jerry. If, if it, if it's client specific, that can certainly be tricky. Yeah. One thing that yeah. you can do as well is get involved in the Facebook groups and just help a lot. So if you start getting known within the Facebook groups as someone who helps out a lot and who knows their stuff, then that's another way. If you don't want to make tutorials and you don't have a massive portfolio, then you can just become known as someone who knows what they're talking about. And then that's the way that you can get hired as well. Well, I suggest you just create your own demo sites. They don't have to be child things or based on any of the white label work that you've done. Just create some subdomains on your own now website and that way you can have some current work that's a good idea for those who are just getting started in web design who don't have a portfolio yet you can still show people what you're capable of yeah yeah because clients aren't going to know if they're real companies or clients or not exactly (laughs) well you can say (laughs) their demo sites like you you don't have to say exactly real sites and you certainly don't have to sell that design, but you could say, this is some of the work I'm capable of, but just mm-hmm. make it different enough that it's really not, um, it's really not anything like, you know, some of the other work that you've done, but just brings right. in some elements of your technical capability. Tim, you look like you want to say something, man. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't have anything particular to say, but since he called on me, I guess I'll talk. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with what David was saying about doing really good work. Um, I think that kind of goes along with, um, you know, what Josh is saying too uh, about uh, giving back. I think they kind of go hand in hand. You do good work and you give back and, you know, stuff's going to come back to you in the process because people want to hire people that are experts. And so by showing that you're a expert in a tutorial or by doing really good work, you show that you really know what you're doing. People want to outsource or, you know, hire to do white label work, those types of people, because you've kind of already proved yourself. Yeah. I do have a question. I do have a question. (laughs) Oh man. He's back. Type it in the chat. (laughs) Okay. I have I have no no questions. <laughs> I was gonna say, does anybody on YouTube have any questions? <laughs> All right. Well, we, we, while we wait for questions from YouTube, I was gonna throw out another. I, I don't know if I'd call it a con, but just a challenge to be aware of if you're trying to get uh, into white label work. And it's kind of the other side of the coin to the pros that were mentioned earlier, and that is you don't have to deal with the client, um, and that can be a pro, um, but it's also presents a challenge in that you don't get to communicate directly with the client. And mm. so now you have an in-between person working with the client to like get the content, to get the design concepts, to get the, what the functionality needs to do. And um, that, that's definitely a challenge that you need to be aware of. And, and you're going to work with, you know, with your white label partner to be able to uh, try to get a good workflow and information flow um, and so if you go into that blindly, uh, you can be surprised because then everything takes twice as long because you ask your partner, they ask the client, the client gets back, the partner tells you, you know, and it can present this big chain that uh, can really bog things down if you're uh, not prepared ahead of time. 
Yeah, it can also be really tricky if the middleman has a different opinion to you. So like if you've done a design or you're putting forward a couple of designs or whatever, and then you suggest that this is the best way forward and they kind of say, "Mm, I don't really like it. So they put something else forward or they just don't communicate very well back to you. Like when the client has said, you know, some feedback, that that feedback doesn't get back to you in a way that you can digest it and understand it properly. And then you implement a change that's not what they meant. And so, you know, it's like Chinese whispers a little bit. Yeah. And and on that note too, uh, you know, there's a lot of times where you have to convince a client that something's a bad idea. And when you're going (laughs) through your partner, you know, that's managing the project and they're trying to relay that to the client, you know, things don't, you know, they get lost in translation. For example, I had a client that really wanted a, um, they wanted a, shoot, a slide out menu on desktop, which I'm of the opinion that those can be nice for like additional, you know, a secondary menu, but for the main menu, it's, it's poor user experience because you're making the user have to click on something before they can click on, you know, the menu item they want to go to. Um, and so I was trying to, uh, I had to convince that to the client and I was able to do that successfully. Um, but I could imagine that if there was another layer, someone in between that maybe wasn't, you know, as, uh, experience with user experience and stuff like that, that that could definitely get lost in translation and they wouldn't be able to sell the client on not doing that and, you know, convincing them that it's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. And even if your middleman doesn't quite understand, like if they're more of the sales aspect of things and they don't have, they haven't done web design and they might be like, you know, Oh yeah, we can add a, a store for you. You bid the project out for 1500 bucks and then it turns out that you should have bid it for 4,000, you know, that's yeah. when it's like, Oh man. And then you have to say, listen, we can't do this. And they have to go back to the client yet. Yeah, there are definitely yeah. some tricky things when it comes to multiple people being in the kitchen, multiple. Uh, but I guess the more you work with that same person, the more you can iron out some of that stuff. And right. I guess the more experience you have, you can put that stuff out f- right out front um, mm-hmm. rather than finding yourself halfway through kind of pedaling back and freaking out a little bit. So what I'm yeah. hearing is it, it kind of all comes down to is how good of a project manager is the partner that's having you do the white label work? Because a lot of those things we're talking about as potential cons might not be there if, if they're a really good project manager. So I, I think yeah. that's something when you're thinking about or considering, uh, forming a white level partnership is, is how good of a project manager is that partner? Because if they're terrible or, you know, they've never really done it, then these things are going to come into play that we've been talking about. Yeah. That's well, a really essentially you're inviting them into your business. Like you're yeah. actually inviting them to be a partner, whether that's a small partner of your business, you're actually inviting them in. So they're, rep- they're representing you as much as you're representing them. Right. And I think if you encounter someone that's not a really good program, uh, project manager or understand things, I think that at that point you need to step in and take more of a role with the client, which is probably not something we want to do, which is why we like white label work. But you could also raise your rates for actually uh, being that middleman and talking directly to the client. It'll make your life a lot easier, too. Yeah, if in doubt, up your prices. If they're, if it's not going well, just the next time they come back to you, just right. automatically up your prices and either it'll be worth it for you or they'll go somewhere else. Speaking when of prices, down, double your prices. <laughs> Real quickly, I was, I was just going to say too, it's, I feel like with white label work, hourly way is, is a good way. Hourly rates are a good way to go. I mean, cause I did fixed. And again, like I said, I really got myself into some bad situations having a fixed 
uh, deal to where if you do hourly, it's bound to even out, I feel like, for not only you as the web designer, but you as the employer, if you're hiring out light label work. Like, I would rather do that and then a person be comfortable getting paid hourly. And again, it might, you know, we might have some projects that go really well. We might have some where I, as the employee, employer, make a little less on, but it would be a good way to learn from each other and balance things out as opposed to, you know, you paying a lot of money potentially or really, you know, harming the relationship of the web designer has really screwed themselves over by bidding too low. I don't know what your guys' thoughts are, are on that, but I feel like it's probably a good way to go. Can Buzz Lightyear try and talk? Couldn't help it. I had to open the YouTube channel. <laughs> I felt like something was missing. Uh, here, here's what I want to say to that. If you use contracts and agreements with your white label people, the same that you do with your clients. Even though I have a white label client, we bid out every single project that we do for them. And we give them a cost and we end up signing a contract with that white label partner. So we, for example, don't do hourly. We bid the project based on, you know, we know what it's going to take for us to do whatever type of project it is. We have our, our costs and stuff. So I think contractually, if you've got yourself covered, then, you know, if they go out of the scope of the project, just be real clear about what and define in the contract, what you're going to be performing for this project. And if they go out, up and above and beyond that takes immense amounts of time. You've got the contract, even though they're your white label partner and stuff. And that just keeps it clean for you and for them. It protects both of you. So now what they do with their client, none of, none of our business. We don't really care. You know, I care about what I said I was going to do this project and this is the scope of the project and this is what we're going to do. I do think Josh's point to hourly is good as well. I think you can do either. You know, but I think what for me, it, what's important is make sure you have yourself protected and, you know, just have it all in writing and in a contract and stuff. So I didn't freeze one time. Not even yeah. once. It was yeah. great. Okay. Man, I opened up YouTube and everything. Now, now you're freezing. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite was earlier when he was like, the secret to white label work is... <laughs> <laughs> Well, it looks yeah, like for it's me, about that time. If we, go ahead, Jerry. Sorry. Oh yeah, I was just gonna say all I've ever known is hourly. I've never, I've never tried it a different way. So I, I can't speak to uh, if another way is better. You know, the the value based. And I know there's been a previous Divi chat on the, you know, the different types of uh, of way to charge. Uh, but for me, you know, it's it's worked out and it's good because as I'm learning and developing new skills and things. Um, then that's easy to include in the communication that, you know, well, there's going to require some, you know, research, it's going to take this amount of time. Um, and, and I can, you know, kind of manage that. And, and then if we get into something and, oh, this is going to take 10 hours more than we expected, you know, because it's an hourly relationship already, then it's easier to have that discussion because we've already, you know, kind of been in that, that train of thought. So for me, it's worked out good. Awesome. I think we've given some good tips on white label, whether or not you should consider doing it or trying it different ways that you can find white label work and, and kind of how to protect yourself with white label clients and stuff. I personally think they're good. I think they're good relationships. If you can find some good white label partners, they can be a win-win for both you and the white label partner uh, because they have a need that they're filling and, and you're, you're getting compensated for, for filling that need and stuff. So, 
uh, why don't we do parting thoughts and let's go with Tammy. You're first. All right. For those who are looking to uh, get started in the field, I think that white label work is a great way to uh, keep your bills paid. Um, most people are concerned about keeping enough client work to, you know, make enough money to sustain themselves. So if you are looking to either uh, leave your jobs and go into web design uh, development full time, uh, try to partner with some uh, marketing firms. They're, they're good companies to uh, that like to outsource web design. So that would be a good place to start. points, Tammy. How about you, Sarah? Um, I just remembered my horror white label story. Um, what, are you, what are you pointing at? <laughs> are you pointing at me? Because I'm below you. You're trying to point out your square. Yeah. <laughs> You're next to me. <laughs> okay. On YouTube, I'm below you. Um, I know. Dave is next to me. He was pointing at me. I was like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry. Um, I remembered a nightmare white label... Um, experience and it happened when someone came to me and said hey I'd like to look at starting a white label relationship with you we've got this job I've already like quoted on it I've already gone forward with it um, and we're going to use this particular theme and it was not Divi and it was yeah with um, using oh, what's that visual visual composer and it just Ooh. was the worst experience of my life and I think he thought I was an idiot and I I went like Josh said I went so far out of budget because I had quoted a certain amount of money and I had thought it would take a certain amount of time and it took so much longer so my parting thought is if someone comes to you and says they want you to do white label and it's with a theme you don't know or it's with something that I'm not saying Divi is the only theme that is possible to use I know I shouldn't say that here but it's not the only theme, but if someone comes to you and says, um, we are going to use this theme and you don't know it or you're not experienced with it, maybe research that before you start giving quotes on hours. Because if I had a built in Divi, it would have taken me half the time. Um, and I had spoken that out and he had said, next time you can use Divi. But in the end, we both, I think, walked out of it saying, I don't want to work with you anymore. But it was because of what was being used. So just look into what they're asking fully before you give a quote. Awesome. Good point. Good point. Let me try this again. Josh. Oh, hey. All right. <laughs> uh, my last thought as far as uh, white labeling goes is to think about all the parties involved, no matter where you're at, whether you're the client, whether you are the web design company that's hiring out or whether you're the designer who's doing the work. I think it's really important to think about the three main parties involved. Um, that's going to help just with time, budget. Um, and you just, if you put yourself in the shoes of the middleman in this case, it's going to help you as a designer think about, you know, what they'd expect. And for the client, it's going to be good for them as well. So that's, and I say that because I went from the designer to now I'm the web design employer. Now I'm white labeling, white labeling some things out, excuse me. So I, I, it's been interesting because I've gone from the, uh, the person doing the work to now hiring the work out. And I just, I've realized that those are two very different sets of shoes to fill. So if you kind of put yourself in those shoes, I think it'll go, it'll, it'll breed for a much better experience all around. 
Awesome. Well, let me see here. Tim. <laughs> Go ahead, Tim. I'm not sure if you were correctly pointing at me or not, but <laughs> I'll go ahead again. the wrong way again. So uh, for me, my final thought is make sure you don't do, in my opinion, more than 50% of your, of your time dedicated to uh, white label work. Um, yeah. Still have regular projects that you're getting credit for. You're able to put on your portfolio coming through the pipeline. One, so that you have stuff to put on your portfolio, but two, so that you can keep those referrals coming and, and have regular, you know, projects, because if anything happens with the white label relationship, you don't want to be, um, you know, in a place where, you know, you have to start over basically. So um, that's my final thought. Boom. Good thought. I, I, like I would do like, I would do like this. Cause that means over Tim to Jerry. <laughs> And uh, go, Jerry. It's the Go ahead, Jerry. All right, my parting thought. Well, I like Tim's because if you look at my portfolio, it's really, really light uh, because the majority of the websites I've built are all white label, so you can't see them. Ha ha ha. Uh, but my real parting <laughs> thought is learn their brand and maintain it. So the the partner that you're working with, um, you know, do good work for them. Learn. What, what's important to them. I'm sure you know, a lot of us are familiar with what it takes to make a brand and brand yourself and you know, brand a business. And, and there's a lot that's involved. There's a voice you know, that you're trying to project. There's uh, that kind of thing. And so as you're working with your white label partners um, in the work that you do, learn their brand and maintain their brand because that's gonna you know, end up in the long run, gonna benefit uh, that relationship with that white label partner and you'll be able to work together well for a long time. Wonderful parting thoughts. Great points. I'll see if I can get one in quick before I freeze. Uh, my, my thing is to know what your goals are, you know, with your, with your white label partners, have a good understanding of what it is you're trying to do. If it's to get work and you're okay with not having a portfolio, you know, make sure you plan for things, uh, respect the people that you do work for and their processes, just like everybody else said, and uh, you'll probably have more work than you know what to do with if you follow these any of these parting thoughts. So I hope next week maybe it's upload. I'm going to go talk to my internet company and see if we can get some more upload speeds. Uh, but thanks for tuning in for Debbie Chat. Next week we've got another great episode, and I hope this has been beneficial for if you're interested in doing white label work. So until next week. See you then. Bye, everybody.